Welcome to Kauaian Cafe, where every sip serves a tale and every tale weaves the bamboo heartbeat of the Philippines. This is Rika, your host. Dive in as we unfold the lush stories and sustainable trails of our beloved bamboo landscapes. Mabuhay listeners! Today we're journeying through the architectural tapestry of the Philippines from the iconic Bahay Kubo to the bamboo skyscrapers of our imaginations. Joining us to delve deeper into this topic is my good friend and Bamboo Bootcamp co-founder, architect Jed de Guzman, with profound insights on the bamboo's role in our architectural landscapes. Yep. Hi Jed! How are you? Hi Rix! All the way from... Quezon City to Davao <laughs> for this uh, for this uh, podcast. <laughs> Great. I'm so happy to see you online since I didn't really get to see you in Davao. We were mm. separate separated. So I'm going to get started. All right. So we're going to start, Jed. Mm-hmm. Um, our journey begins with the emblematic Bahay Kubo, a symbol of Filipino ingenuity and adaptation. In your opinion, how does bamboo play into this? Well, Bahay Kubo is a Southeast Asian icon, uh, particularly as a reaction to climate. Meaning, whatever material is available, so you have bamboo, you have grass, uh, nipa, you have palm, you have wood, and anything that was available way, way, way back before by our ancestors is the one that we use for our construction. And bamboo is just a part of it. Although with with the intrinsic property of bamboo, it, it's round, it's very light, and it's abundant. Uh, it has, we have seen prevalent use of it in most of the indigenous architecture in the Philippines. And this is, uh, you can see this with our Filipino Bahay Kubo. Um, particularly, the form is the same throughout, throughout all Southeast Asia, but uh, the adaptation or use of the Bahay Kubo, the one room all use, the the way we expand for fa- extended family, those are the things that you will always see. And bamboo plays as a materiality um, through abundance that can be used for these types of structure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember when you added this to um, the design uh, module, uh, the different kinds, and then like how we used it and the evolution of the Bahay Kubo um, over time and then its uses. So it actually relates to my next question, which is from Luzon to Mindanao, our archipelago is a canvas of diverse architectural designs. Like, you know, we've always heard like, okay, I want Bali or Indonesian inspired, but then we've actually seen how like the Bahay Kubo has, there is a Bahay Kubo, you know, everywhere in you know in context so how have how different regions infused bamboo into into their vernacular structures you think like looking at all the three islands of the philippines so i guess the story would be driving around the philippines uh from luzon north and then visayas or the mid of the philippines and then mindanao these clusters oftentimes if you drive you will see utilization of bamboo left and right from fence all the way to uh, the Bahay Kubo houses or some of some modern houses that infuses bamboo as their material. Now, in the architectural design, 
uh, there's two ways of looking at it. One is historically, um, way back 100 years ago, and then the contemporary one. So the first one is historically. In the northern part of the Philippines, you will see bamboo being used uh, almost without windows or small windows and then small eaves. Uh, you can look at this with the Batanes houses. Uh, they use bamboo for for their no, for their nipa nipa and or kogon roofing and then for the ifugao architecture they use bamboo together with wood for their uh, bale or ano or traditional ifugao houses in the uh, uh banawe and rice terraces and then if you go lower uh, at midlands now you will see the bahay kubos often you see it in farm settings and the way they use bamboo is it's replaceable without treatment. Um, they ha we have this penchant of this is you can this is temporary shelter. I can always take it down even if a storm brings it down. We can rebuild it because it is abundant. And then you go all the way to Mindanao. In Mindanao, uh, it still has a strong sultanship or or the the sultans. Uh, in Mindanao, very untouched, uh, pretty much by American and other colonial con uh, other colonial countries. But uh, the use of bamboo there is pretty much the same with Luzon, Visayas, and Mindanao. However, uh, the catchphrase here is: Are we still seeing these vernacular structures alive? So the answer would be not much, since uh, traditional treatment. They use that traditional treatment. It has lasted, but not all of the structures. So the documentation is still much needed in order to see all of the structures from the zone all the way to Mindanao. So we have a few books uh, <laughs> depicting this from architect Ni Ercanasyontan and some of the other architecturang Filipino uh, narratives that we see. Yeah, and, and some written, ano, written and even oral tradition, the bah ano, Bahay Kubo Song, uh, nursery rhymes yeah uh, so from that even to food so all of it uh, there is expressions of bamboo all over from the zone to Mindanao wow I mean calling all young architects this is definitely like a research opportunity for those that are interested in indigenous materials right because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, like you said documentation is scarce so um, I think that to keep it alive, to keep all of this alive, we really need to encourage and motivate our young budding architects that are into this to get into it and start looking into it. Mm. Now, Jed, we've seen um, bamboo fo fro form the foundation of traditional homes, but how does its legacy echo in contemporary Filipino architecture? And can we really envision bamboo soaring in our skylines can we actually see a bamboo skyscraper in the near future or even the foreseeable future so if you compare our bamboo land bamboo architecture landscape here in the philippines versus the ones that are globally available uh for example bali vietnam uh thailand uh the use of bamboo has been echoed in the core culture. It, this applies to all of Southeast Asia. However, the expression of technology is quite different. So, for example, in Hong Kong, they use it for 
skyscraper scaffolding. It, it is a licensed profession there in Hong Kong, in Bali, Indonesia. The it is my pet peeve whenever whenever I hear, uh, can you make this one this Bali structure here in the Philippines? So I often get uh, very peeved about it. But uh, the thing is, we are now seeing larger structures structurally supported by bamboo with these contemporary styles in Bali, in Thailand. Now, in the Philippines, there is there is a limit on how high we can do structures, specifically because of the climate, meaning you have typhoons, you have earthquake. However, the intrinsic material property of bamboo uh, kind of adapts to this. And we are now seeing more Filipino architects, uh, engineers, and even ano, even DIY builders uh, reaching more heights uh, constructing with bamboo. So um, I think uh, building confidence and then the the global influx of information for bamboo. So whatever we are doing here in the Philippines echoes throughout the world. All at the same time, we may not know each other, but people are using bamboo in more innovative way uh, because, again, you can compare it to a steel pipe, but organically available. So whatever a steel pipe can do, bamboo can do. But uh, innovation on how to join it how to treat it, how to better protect it from the elements, uh, UV exposure, and then to insect borers. This will be key in the proliferation of bamboo, um, specifically for Philippine architecture. But then again, what is Philippine architecture? Uh, the identity of that, we don't have... Um, a, a, in Kong, for example, if you go to Bali, you have a picture in your head what is a, what is a Balinese architecture. If you say Japanese architecture, you have a picture in your head. What is a Japanese architecture? If you say Chinese architecture, you there is that clear picture. But then again, if we say Filipino architecture, what picture comes into mind? Uh, if we say Bahay Kubo, I would I would you know I would digress and say ah, it's the same with all the Southeast Asian countries. What what again is Filipino architecture? So from icon to utility, there is that um, how do you call it? Uh, we need more definition of it by example, or maybe, I don't know. Uh, we're, we're reaching realms of obscurity when we're talking about this. Eh? <laughs> That's a whole nother episode. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we're talking about Bahay Kubo, but the, I will return to this episode. Um, I think it would be nice if we had a panel. So I mm. just I have a, an idea of who to put in this panel. So watch out guys we're going to be talking about this sometime in the future about let's let's do critic ba <laughs> let's <laughs> I critic think that's a, <laughs> it deserves its own um episode so jen mm. the narrative of bamboo doesn't end at the threshold of bahay kubo of course how has modern philippine design elevated bamboo from rustic to revolutionary all right so this is <laughs> an, uh, in the in the past uh 10 years i think um more ano more filipinos are gaining confidence in using bamboo for structural use uh, with the prevalence of or the shortage of wood in the philippines specifically with the dnr department of environment and natural resource moratorium you cannot cut trees anymore specifically native trees in the philippines 
um, people are looking into alternatives and then bamboo plays a role in this. And now we are seeing more Filipino architects using it in different forms. So we have we have expressions of um, vernacular architecture being transformed to to ver contemporary, meaning you are seeing more structures that are Bahay Kubo inspired, but then with a contemporary taste or contemporary, um, uh, call it a contem contemporary angle to it. And you're seeing structures that are 12 meters high, 16 meters high, all made of structurally holding bamboo and the and modern and you know, modern joineries or even modern modern techniques for finishing and now uh, you, you see large structures made of steel and then large structures made of bamboo it, it creates a contrast um and more people are seeing the future of bamboo being used um and i guess if you paint it in the context of the philippines uh, not all will be using bamboo, maybe 90% bamboo structures. I think the Filipinos are preferring maybe 60 to maybe 50% of their structures is bamboo or only critical structural parts will be bamboo. Or we go back uh, up to 20 years, uh, 20 years before where we only see bamboo being used as decorative or cladding for, you know, for as aesthetic part. And uh, Compared to the architectural scene right now, more and more can be seen. If you go to expos, if you go to exp to uh, no, to uh, furniture shows, you are seeing more bamboo, uh, and even the government is supporting the use of bamboo. So there's nothing stopping bamboo from being used as a material specific for construction or the other hundredfold uses for bamboo. Yeah, I mean, Amy was even, Amy of Kauaian Collective was even saying that there are more bamboo, uh, uses for bamboo than the supply. <laughs> yes. So again. again, that's for another episode. <laughs> mm, the supply yeah, chain whole, of bamboo ricks. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So, mm. I mean, this is really exciting, right? Like at least more and more people are open to using this material and more and more people are finding ways on incorporating it to their builds, which, you know, this is why uh, there is really a huge potential for bamboo, uh, definitely in architecture and uh, construction. So, you know, uh, one of the biggest concerns with using this material is because our islands, the Philippines, is not is not really a stranger to nature's wrath. So we have amidst the earthquakes and typhoons, how do you, in your opinion, how does the bamboo stand tall? So if you think about it, um, specifically in the Philippines, uh, bamboo, we use a lot of clumping bamboos. These are bamboo that, that, and that stands that are always together, bunched up into maybe 20, 30, or even 40 poles at a time. And when naturally, when winds pass through these bamboo clumps, they tend to support each other by clumping, or they can bend with the wind, or they can cluster up together in, in order to break the wind. So, so that naturally is the way bamboo adapts to this climate or to these weather conditions or phenomenons. Even during earthquakes, it's just gonna shake. And this also translates to how we are we use it in our structures. So if one one bamboo is not enough, we combine it 
And then in reaction to earthquake by combining it because it is very light in comparison to steel and even concrete, uh, much of its uh, much of the structural system can withstand earthquakes. Uh, with a bit there will be movement. There is movement. Movement is expected, but uh, it's not gonna be a danger to anyone who is living inside a bamboo structure. And for wind, of course, uh, <laughs> traditionally there are two ways of approaching storms or winds in the Philippines. It's either you let the wind pass through, just like bamboo clumps, or you create shields. Uh, it can be through landscape, it can be through solid walls, or even construction methodologies in creating more sturdy walls. And bamboo plays an intrinsic part of this uh, as a structural component, uh, very light, very strong, one-third of steel, and then compressive strength, uh, around 3,000 PSI uh, for certain species of bamboo. But uh, technology will play a part with this. And the reactions to climate and all of this uh, <laughs> typhoon, uh, as long as you see a clump of bamboo, naturally how it, it uh, reacts to these elements is actually how it will react when it is installed in construction. Wow. I mean, I love the comprehensive answer, which means that it can react to anything, um, you know, all of these like natural disasters, as long as, I mean, you're obviously knowledgeable about how uh, typhoons and earthquakes, how it affects a structure. And then knowing about the bamboo, because then you would have to put two and two together, right? Like, what is the effect of this? disaster and what is the characteristics or the properties of bamboo and then how do you combine both so that it actually works and not like it's not like detrimental right mm. there, there's this in an intuitive quality when you're working with bamboo it has challenged a lot of the knowledge i learned from school or for practice using conventional concrete steel and glass and when you're working with bamboo it kind of teaches you how it wants to be and it is a humbling experience and the you know the strength of it that is what floored me into pursuing this material in my practice in architecture and a lot of the stuff that you're talking about is from experience and not necessarily theoretical from uh when you went to school right yeah so a, a lot of this um uh you, you you're gonna be able to read it and for me, I I pursued this. I of course I studied in Bamboo U in Bali, Indonesia, uh, in uh, to get more extensive knowledge about this. So Jed, thanks for mm. that. Thanks for that very in-depth answer about our uh, nature's wrath. In an era of climate consciousness, bamboo is often hailed as the green champion. What initiatives are paving the way for a bamboo-rich Philippines? So in the Philippines, if you think about it, uh, of course, there is the government and then there's private initiatives. In the government initiatives, we have a lot of this gov uh, national government agencies, local government units that have, uh, number one, we have researches on bamboo from DOST, DPI, and then number two, uh, propagation and a lot of uh, planting. Uh, you have the national greening program where 20% to 40% of these initiatives of reforestation use bamboo for for all, I know for throughout the Philippines. 
and then you have Department of Agriculture turning bamboo into a to a high ano high high commodity or a cash crop or and then priority for DTI is uh, the products being developed made of bamboo so in the government there is all of these initiatives being done um it's it's more now more exciting to venture into bamboo during this time and then you have the private of course us in bamboo bootcamp we're we're doing a lot of bamboo education um talking about the supply chain uh all throughout Luzon Visayas and Mindanao and you have a lot of uh other you know, other private uh companies uh selling bamboo products teaching you know, teaching people how to propagate and all, all of the offshoots that can be done with bamboo and um it's now more exciting to be in bamboo uh but hopefully we answered the most dire need for us um specifically of course uh, for people that are using bamboo in the smallest um smallest size meaning at small arts and crafts trinkets they will not experience any shortage of bamboo but us in the construction industry there is shortage for bamboo we use we use bamboo in the thousands um for just one structure you're talking about 100 uh, bamboo poles per per ano per per 10 square meter or one, one square meter is equivalent to 10 bamboo poles. So um, <laughs> it's, it's an, it paints a picture on how each industry is looking at the bamboo supply. And um, some, some may feel uh, it is abundant in them, but for us in the construction industry, we are feeling the, the need for more bamboo supply uh, and the impact it will do for the construction industry. Yeah, I mean, in the last three years, we've seen such an increased demand, like even just from people that are in our realm, people that we know that are always mm. kind of looking. That's why, I mean, I'm really pushing for more propagation. And I think that people need to really learn, need to learn how to identify, you know, um, the right bamboo or, you know, I think it's, you know, I always tell people, people always tell me like that we have a lot of bamboo. And then they don't really know what it is, right? Like what kind it is, or they weren't even aware that there were there was more than one variety. So yep. I think that part of like widespread um, knowledge of, okay, people, these are the 10 commonly seen bamboo species in the Philippines. This is what it looks like. This is what to look for. So at least initially people, you know, everybody can identify what kind of bamboo it is because you know we have a list of things each variety is good to use and like maybe um you know ways on how to tell if they're ready or what their uses are for because i remember uh in one of the uh, workshop in the modules that you say okay for every age there's a different use for every species there's a different use different and then use. for every part of each pole there's a different it's use a different so that's use. like nine different variations that you have to know about the variety which part of the bamboo it is how old it is and once you know that or at least that's common knowledge to everybody then we have a starting point of really knowing what kind of supply we have within you know our reach because before <laughs> we have fantasies of okay i want to build a structure like basically where i'm coming from is i wanted to build the structure but then i didn't have the bamboo around me and mm. I didn't really have, I really didn't know what kind was around me or I didn't have the tools 
to let people around me know, okay, if this is, if this is what you have, this is what we're going to do with it. Or, you know what I mean? It would have been easier. <laughs> um, now that I know what I know, then I have a whole different um, idea of how to go about it. But like, you know, when people tell me, okay, I have a lot of bamboo. The first question is find out what kind it is. Like a bamboo. <laughs> start, you know, we can start developing a project based on that and then mobilizing people out there like bamboo hunters to find out, okay, find out how old they are, take pictures of them. You know what I mean? Like it's easier to strategize on what to develop <laughs> if you have these steps, Um, like kind of, if you know these steps beforehand. Anyway, I'm just rambling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, uh, for for a lay person, Riggs, uh, uh, this bamboo, they, they know once, once you cut the branches, it's all dried, it's yellow. All of this bamboo, they you know they categorize it as, as they call it, call it bamboo or kawaiian. Everything is the same for them. Oh, but yeah. again, uh, with with this you know, with this knowledge that we are we are trying to share with everyone, um, the the complexity of how to approach this material, uh, it's actually what makes it fun yeah. <laughs> and hard at the same time. It's fun. It's frustrating. It's it's kind of like a roller coaster of emotions. Yes. <laughs> it it challenges it, it challenges a lot of how, how we approach uh a material and uh, like like the, the myriad of uses the myriad of uh approach on how to solve. So, uh, people that do that thrive in problem solving are actually very you know, adept with using bamboo. And we see this in a lot of the innovations being done globally and even in, in the Philippines on how to approach this. And uh, <laughs> it's really, really exciting uh, yes. what, what the next 10 years is uh, it's going to be, especially when all of these bamboo propagation efforts uh, uh, bear fruit uh, 10 years from now. So hopefully, uh, we, we will be sitting again in one of Kawain Cafe sessions and talking about uh, more advanced uh more advanced stories on how bamboo in the philippines has been yeah well i look forward to that and mm. uh, again this is an open invitation to whoever is listening right now who loves to solve problems or have a knack for um puzzle making or puzzle making yep. things please join our bamboo tribe we uh welcome you anyway yep, yep. So from foundations to futuristic facades, can bamboo redefine our urban landscapes? What's the potential and what are the challenges? Hmm. Okay. So here's the thing. With any I get I, I will quote uh Luis Felipe Lopez with this. With any innovation, uh innovation precedes regulation. So we have a lot, we have a lot of need for bamboo. People are innovating, and then our government, LGUs, and lawmakers will be placing regulations for this. And these regulations will impact how the industry or bamboo will be tackled on from the smallest utilization to construction and all the way to, to uh, very capitalistic approaches to bamboo. And there what, what's the what's the potential here? Potential is uh this billion dollar industry being being uh what do you call this uh market share being majority China 
and then 15 percent of it of that 74 billion dollar in this uh, industry and then 15 percent is being shared by philippines and all of the other bamboo and bamboo rich countries uh that is the potential uh, for this uh, domestically how we use bamboo and then potentially globally uh, you have a lot of um uh, uh what do you call this uh internet commerce or or online and online shopping uh there's that potential and the challenge here is sustain sustainability meaning the one of the ecological impacts uh with the UN 17 as sustainable development goals so yes we will be planting bamboo but are we planting it the right way are we are we going for monocropping are we are we making the same mistakes as how we we I know we planted the farm trees here in the Philippines the mahogany the gemelina and all of these fast growing growing trees that have affected the ecology here in the Philippines so now with all of this prep propagation efforts i think uh how to approach it in a sustainable way how to approach it such that the impact of bamboo uh, in terms of the balance of ecology, will not be detrimental to the diversity of the Philippines uh, in terms of species, in terms of flora and fauna. And of course, uh, we people get excited uh, yeah. when I know when we talk about uh, how I know how to earn from bamboo. But then uh, a lot of uh, a lot of, a lot of these enthusiasts will not be thinking about how to ethically source it how to propagate it properly so that you will be not be damaging the environment. So I think for, know, starting maybe from now, or we must think about how uh, bamboo plays a role in the, in the ecosystem and in the Philippines. And we should, be, we should embrace how Philippines is. We are, we are a diverse in culture, diverse in nature, diverse in the way we think diverse in globally being you know, being a global citizen in the uh, in the world uh with our service oriented uh economy so these are the things that that you know if not a potential for bamboo but a challenge here in the philippines when we are talking about bamboo yeah i mean i love that how we've evolved like i think with even with our conversations personally like you know in the beginning you get excited you see the potential yeah just want to plant a million bamboos without, yeah. without anything else. And then you start hearing about Ernstgosh or even um, that lady with the uh, earth. Anna Herringer. <laughs> you know, you yeah. start hearing them talk and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Um, does it take an extra effort to add a sustainability factor to it? Like, because it's not something that you think about in the beginning because you just mm. want to produce, right? Like you're, a producer um mm. and then you and, and bamboo itself you know standalone is sustainable <laughs> yes. so you're thinking that okay if i plant a million bamboos it's a million ways of being sustainable but then you're not thinking you know and then we're thinking monocropping yes you, you know by doing that we'd be making the same mistake we've done over and over and over and then um it's not actually uh you know, it's counterproductive, but then mm. you start thinking about it in a sustainable way where, okay, how do we make that attractive by not monocropping it or by not like planting a million instead, let's just plant half and then focus the other half into something. Mm. So we're diving into sustainability, which is again, 
another episode. Like we have three <laughs> episodes from this conversation. Of course. Cut this short. This is only supposed to be a 20-minute show, but it's turning out <laughs> to be an hour. But Jed, to wrap mm. all of this uh the, to wrap all of this up, I'm interested to hear what is your bamboo vision for the future and for the future of bamboo in the Philippines. So for me, I want to see a reforested Philippines, meaning uh, our forest cover has increased. We, and then maybe 20 to 40% of these forest efforts, we are seeing bamboo. Uh, and not just one bamboo, but uh, a myriad of species, 40, 40 species or more in these reforestation efforts. And these reforestation efforts all, also translate to economic activities whereby People are not alienated by these forests, but rather people are being provided by the forest. But at the same time, people are uh, preserving the forest and uh, giving value to this forest. Uh, young generations will be playing in the forest, um, uh, enjoying the, the trees, thereby having a connection uh, with nature and taking care of it. And in terms of uh, my profession construction, I want to walk in a hardware or a MC Home Builders Depot and see bamboo being offered, bamboo products being offered that I can just buy off the shelf. And more local and you know, local farmers benefiting from this supply chain. And uh, I, I guess uh, that for me will be the most, you know, the most uh, hopeful future that I am seeing uh, with, my, with our vision. Ah. What a dream. I share the <laughs> same dream as you. Thank you so much, Jed, for being Okay, thank you, Riggs. <laughs> excited to see you in a few weeks. From its roots in our soil to its potential in piercing the skies, Bamboo's narrative is intertwined with ours. Stay with us as we continue exploring more dimensions of our vibrant heritage. A heartfelt salamat to all, especially to Jed, Architect Jed, for your invaluable insights, let's continue to discover, cherish, and champion the bamboo tales around us. Thank you for joining us on Kawaiian Cafe. Let's not just admire bamboo, let's live it. Remember to subscribe, spread the word, and leave us some insights. Till next time, bamboo high!